0: Welcome to the Your Own Food Coach podcast. My name is Pamela Kelly. I'm a registered dietitian and nutritionist in practice for 25 years. We've created this podcast to have a conversation to explore the world of nutrition, food, health, and body image together. You've come to the right place. This is episode 12, Genetic Testing, The New Frontier in Personalized Nutrition Recommendations. If you've listened to any of the previous podcasts, you know that I believe very much in a mindful and intuitive way of eating, and frankly, an intuitive and mindful way of life. Our lives and our health are determined by a multitude of factors, some of which we can control and others which we cannot. For example, one major aspect that we can control is to be in charge of how much sleep we get, it's recommended between seven and nine hours per night. And I'll say right now, if you don't have a good sleep hygiene plan in place, you might want to work on that right now. A good book on the subject is Why We Sleep, Unlocking the Power of Sleep and Dreams by Matthew Walker, PhD. I've really enjoyed this book and it's been eye-opening to me and to my clients that sometimes what might be affecting the immune system or depression or stress or or weight issues might actually be about sleep. But the fact is, some of us sleep better than others, and part of it might actually be in your genetic makeup. You might have a parent that never seemed to be asleep when you were a child, and you notice now that you have the same patterns. So is that habit or genetics? Do what you can to address what you know in your routine. And I know you know this, but shutting down electronic devices and getting off the screen a couple hours before you plan to go to sleep could be helpful. But if it's in your gene makeup to not sleep well, it behooves you even more to pay attention to what you can do to help your sleep. Does that make sense? Another influence under your control of your health is obviously what, when, and how you eat. I encourage you to listen to previous episodes on mindful eating and on hunger and fullness. We do know that it's true that eating slowly in a non-stressful environment affects your digestion and absorption of nutrients. But think back in your life. What was dinner time like when you were raised? Did your parents eat fast? The trait can be passed down through generations and it's true that the environment can be part of it The nurturing effect can be part of it, and your genetic background can be part of it. And the fact that what we choose to eat and choose not to eat are part of genetics as well. Were there certain foods that were not prepared because the adult didn't like them, and now you don't like them either? Or is it possible that there was a genetic link to not liking a particular food that is food sensitivities that might have been passed down from one generation to another. Dairy is an example of that, and I encourage you to do your own research on your family history to see how milk consumption was in generations back in your family. Another major influence on our health is our natural body shape. There are three types of bodies, an endomorph, an ectomorph, and a mesomorph. It's fairly easy to distinguish these types. Endomorphs tend to have a thicker trunk. That's me, by the way. Ectomorphs tend to be more skeletal in nature. Think lanky and thin, like my dear friend. And trust me, we made quite the pair. Sort of a mutton Jeff, if you think about it. A mesomorph tends to be more muscular. Much of this has to do with your genetic background. So I often ask my clients, What do the members of your family look like? Not only height and weight, but bone structure. And honestly, you need to look back two or three generations to really get an idea of what that genetic predetermined traits are with regard to size and shape. So why is this important? Because clients have come to me so frustrated after spending so much time in the gym or money spent with promises of changing their body They're exhausted. They've tried everything, and it could be different diets. They want something to be different other than who they are. They want to change themselves. And this type of change most likely is not going to happen, and it leads to frustration and aggravation, and some just give up. They don't exercise, or they just don't even try to follow a healthy diet, and I don't blame them. It's frustrating. So what can you control? Making sure that regular exercise for the sake of body movement is for the conditioning of our heart. It makes insulin levels work better. Exercise improves heart function. It improves energy and may help you with that sleep we just talked about a minute ago. So we can control our commitment to movement despite whether or not it changes the shape of our body. And my clients can tell you that changing that mindset to an internal health rather than external changes about muscle or body fat is extremely rewarding and trust me, much less frustrating. And guess what? Sure enough, our gene expressions have an impact on whether we respond well to strength training or whether we can expect fat loss to cardio exercise. I'm absolutely fascinated by the future for medicine and our own personal health and specifically, nutrigenomics and genetic testing in general. Without going into too much detail, this is not a science class, of course, I'd like to share some interesting facts about why this might be so important. When I started looking at this specifically about 10 years ago from a nutritional and dietetic perspective, I took a couple great online courses several years ago, and this interest has continued to be sparked over the years. And as I mentioned in a previous episode, there are health connections with a genetic link, including heart disease, diabetes, and eating disorders. I continue to study and research this interesting field. A couple of takeaways for you to consider to think about your genes as your soft inheritance. It means that the impact of genetics are a factor in your life, but it is by far the whole story. The telomeres on our DNA could be thought of like the caps on shoestrings and they keep the ends of your shoestrings from getting frayed. That is a perfect analogy for aging, by the way. That's why some people age quicker than others. It has to do with their telomeres. Some of these telomeres on our genetic material turns gene on and turns other genes off. We've all heard about the genetic conditioned to certain types of cancer and other diseases, I'm very interested in how dietary choices can have protective factors for heart disease, insulin sensitivity, and fitness perception. Mentioned that earlier. Other genes show expression for skin aging, body composition, mental acuity, nutrition absorption tendencies, and many others. Most of our genes genes are the same from one person to another, but there are a few genes that differ from one person to another. This is a prime example of why we should never think a common blueprint for nutrition should be the same for all of us, and this is why I'm interested in it. Your exercise routine, your supplements, your dietary intake should be individualized for you, not just a blanket statement that we all eat the same, exercise the same, sleep the same, and take the same supplements. Genetic testing has been popular for almost two decades, and like everything else, the science and the research is evolving at such an accelerated pace almost on a daily basis. Genes, however, do not change. So once a sample is obtained, usually through a saliva smear, there's no need to ever gather more more material because the data is now secure. You can't change your genes. So changing your eating habits or changing anything else might help your genes, but not change them. It's important to understand that. I believe in the near future, we will find out more information that could be learned from that one sample. And advancements in testing will be done on that one sample. You can think of it sort of as a software code to describe tendencies and traits. And the word tendency is one to pay attention to. It was explained to me that foods can turn on certain gene expressions and turn certain ones off. And we're finding that nutrition interventions can be developed, that factor into whatever gene expression has been determined. Using nutrition to make changes when there's evidence just beyond the mirror can help motivate us to make change when maybe you didn't have it before. I've seen this in my clients who've decided to do this. Then I'll explain more. SNPs, which are single nucleotide polymorphisms, are the most common nutrition variant in the human They're what represents the difference in eye color and help determine and understand nutrition absorption. The determination by those SNPs can change expression while other SNPs cause expression. Nutrition and food intake are the major source of information to influence outcomes. Think about that for a minute. Inflammation, which is a major player in heart disease... Infl- inflammatory arthritis and extreme overweight is influenced by genetic expression. Haven't you wondered why one person can have incredibly poor dietary habits with no consequences at all, while another person does his best and stu- struggles greatly with complications of disease? Why one person can smoke all their life and never have cancer, and another person eats the healthiest diet and exercises and gets cancer? a lot of it has to do with gene expression. Some SNPs are impacting the way a person's ability to burn fat. Some affect uh, metabolic syndrome. And as far as vitamins and minerals are concerned, it's the SNP that explains how much of a nutrient is, is received. So think about this. Here's an example. Vitamin D. Now, vitamin D levels are checked by a a blood serum draw to tell you whether or not you have high or low vitamin levels. But the truth is, vitamin D is like paint in a bucket. One painter might be very efficient at painting vitamin D on the wall in the body, while another person, the expression given the same amount of vitamin D, the paint might be slopped everywhere. This is different than a blood draw. Particular genes express the efficiency of how we use particular nutrients. This is very cool. And indeed, this is one reason for my interest in genetic testing. It's the efficiency of the way the body uses food that that are different from one person to another. Dietary factors affect genetic mechanisms throughout the lifespan and can extend across generations. Now, this is very interesting It's been proven that individuals who survived famine and early environmental conditions caused epigenetic changes that persist through generations. Individuals exposed to famine have greater incidence of chronic disease, including diabetes, heart disease, and some cancers in generations far removed from that starvation. We knew that stress from the victims of the Jewish concentration camps were passed down to future generations, that there's literally stress genes that were passed down. How many of us actually know what happened to our generations of ancestors? These are important questions that I now ask my clients when we sit together puzzled by health issues that do not fit in with the lifestyle habits that they lead. There's more to it than that. Companies today include Ancestry.com, 23andMe, and several more that you can Google on the internet and find out, others that you can use. The base is to find out where your ancestors come from from a global perspective. And then once that gene has been gleaned and you've got the data, there's much to learn from that. For instance, people who come from a cold Neurope- northern European environment have different nutrition needs, different body types, different stress, and different sensibilities to disease than people that might come from a warm Mediterranean environment, for example. Once those genes have been procured, they are there and can be used for tests in the future. Because many factors affect any health system, the genetic interaction is only part of the story. Many factors Mentions such as the family history, biochemical parameters, and the presence of other risk factors are important tools as well. In other words, don't just have genetic testing done and think that that's the answer to everything. It takes an evidence-based approach with a professional that can interpret and communicate complex test results. So indeed, if you are interested in exploring this more, I encourage you to reach out to a competent, professional with experience in this field and check the credentials of any company that offers genetic testing thank you so much for joining us today for the your own food coach podcast we're all in search of answers but maybe it's the questions we need to consider or maybe we're not asking the right questions if this podcast brought up questions for you i encourage you talk to family and friends or talk to me I offer virtual nutrition counseling, and I offer review and consult for genetic testing materials. If you feel like that might be the correct path for you, please share this podcast and subscribe, and we welcome your comments. And a special thank you to my producer, Brian Strickland, and my brand manager, Malia Smith. This podcast would not be possible without their help and support. The information presented on this podcast is for the enjoyment of all listeners. It is not intended as either medical or medical nutrition advice or counseling, nor is it specific to any particular individual. It is not intended to replace counseling, medical nutrition therapy, or treatment. Contact a healthcare professional if you are experiencing problems that seem health-related. Please contact 911 if you are having an emergency.